um, you know, you're in these situations, you just gotta, you tune out what's around you. Um, it's our job to um, evaluate all the information we have. You make the best decision you can uh, at the time for both the short and long term of, of a program of the institution. Um, and then that's what you go with. <laughs> so Joel, uh, I felt a disturbance in the fourth today. We're uh, here on Tuesday evening, uh, Halloween, and uh, been a, a newsy day for episode 12 of the 12 Saturdays podcast. I am mistakenly said 10 last week. I'm always one week behind, which I'm sure most people probably think is true about me all the time. But uh, uh, news, real news, real breaking news today, Joel. What, what What's your hot take coming off of the Brian Ferentz canning? Well, we kind of started to hear some stuff over the weekend that this was a possibility. And I think that was the that's the reason this we're where we are today. Um, it's really interesting to me that things just can't not get leaked anymore in in the world of what you do, you know, and put in, in media relations for, you know, your job. And, you know, I was, we both have been on the newspaper side and we've had our sources that started to leak things and started to get stuff to us. And, you know, there's such a thirst to be first anymore that it's really the ability to control narratives is just gone. It's just gone now. And I think that that's a tough pill to swallow for someone like Kirk Ferentz, who, you know, for 25 years has been, you know, really in control of the narrative for, for his entire tenure as the university of Iowa head coach, um, which I will, we can get into how long we think that tenure is going to be. But I, I think that that's what folks need to really realize today is that the reason that we're talking about this now is because the media got a hold of it. People started to get a hold of this. And instead of that rumor being out, the athletic director's office and the president's office at the University of Iowa got together and, and they put a brief professional statement out that just said what we all knew the answer already was is that Brian Ferentz will not be the offensive coordinator or employed by the University of Iowa in the 2024 football season. Well, you know, Joel, beyond, you know, even what you're saying about being first, that's on the media side. But I think just in general, as a society, we want everything instant gratification. We want everything fast. We want everything to move right now. And, you know, that's part of it, too. And I'm sure that's part of uh, Kirk's frustration at at his age being 68 and you know he's more deliberative obviously would want to decide everything at the end of the season um but that's a luxury you just don't have in this day and age and i i feel bad about that um but you know on the other hand i've always been a huge proponent of full transparency so if you know this is the direction you're going and it's a fait accompli it's a decision that's already been made uh, trying to keep it secret for two or three more months is just dumb. You, you don't do it. So, you know, rip off the Band-Aid. And I get to that there's also a team in play here. There's a, a, a militia of alumni. Maybe militia is the wrong word to use. There's a, <laughs> a, a, a large group of alumni who rightfully are hurting today because they care greatly about Brian Ferentz. They care greatly for Brian Ferentz. Uh, there's 120 guys in that locker room who right, wrong, or indifferent 
they they are a team for the 2023 football season and it's it's the us against the world that's what a lot of mentality is um and brian's part of that us and he still is part of that us and i honestly mm-hmm. think that that's tells you what you need to know about brian ferentz this is an extraordinarily difficult situation i am a very pro brian ferentz person i actually don't think this offense is completely broken but for some reason or another it's just not working anymore and i think it's it's good for everybody that a fresh start is had in 2024 um i think let's have a couple different layers of this conversation i think let's talk now about um what the next four weeks are going to look like. I mean, Brian's the coach. Deacon Hill apparently is still the quarterback uh, for right now. Um, But what we saw today was as down the, I think the only other time I've seen Kirk Ferentz this downtrodden at a press conference was the press conference where he was talking about Brian's MRSA infection when he was a player and they were concerned he was going to lose his leg. I mean, we saw a father today. We didn't just see a football coach today. And I'm empathetic to that greatly. And I don't know if you had asked me Sunday and Monday, if I thought that Kirk Ferentz is going to be the head football coach in 2024, I'd say 100% yes. I think my answer after seeing that press conference is 85% yes. I, I still think he's going to be, but I'm less confident than I was 24 hours ago. So I, I'm empathetic too, Joel, and I, I am also a huge Kirk Ferentz fan. I think he's great, but I mean, I don't think we can lose sight of the fact that I, I, the other thing I took away from the press conference today, though, is that I still feel like he's a little bit lives in his own bubble, and there's a little bit of naivety there. I mean, their offense is a laughingstock. It's beyond pathetic. You, they gained two yards against Minnesota in the second half, or 12. I guess it was 12. Whatever. It, everybody in the stadium knew they weren't going to go 20 yards in a minute 50 with two timeouts and win that game because of how atrocious the offense is. And, yeah, there's injuries. But, again, here, here's what we're talking about. Any other team that's down a starting quarterback and it's two tight ends but has all its wideouts, all its wide receivers, and it's starting O-line, you can get 20 yards at some point, at least in an entire half. So I have empathy on the human side, but this was a business decision. I mean, this is a team that is dysfunctional on that side of the ball, and there's no reason for that. I'm sitting here tonight watching Northern Illinois play central Michigan in a terrible game in terrible conditions. It's 37 to 24 with, with two, with two quarterbacks from the Either central from Des Moines. Put them on Iowa and, and, and we're winning the Big 10 West right now. And they're both from Des Moines. I think that's something that we have to look at. Chase Bauer, the quarterback in that game for central Michigan, Brody Brecht's quarterback at Ankeny. Rocky Lombardi is 30 years old. But he obviously was a West Des Moines Valley quarterback. You know, I mean, he's a seven. Oh, and they can senior. They, they can run. They can throw accurately. They're in the snow. And it's, like, <laughs> come on, man. Agreed. So we we all we agree that that is the case. Um, we also agree that neither one of the defenses playing in that game 
is who could hang in the Big Ten. So there, there, there is a yin and yang. But at the end of the day, we need 169 points for Brian to to have hit his benchmarks. And I think it's realistic to say, in five games, we're not scoring as the University of Iowa offense 169 points. But I think that there's still a realistic scenario that Iowa wins four or five more games this season. Like it's, there's still a lot on the table, but I don't blame Beth Getz for making the decision that was made at this juncture, because at this point there needs to be some real discussions. There's, there's recruits having real discussions right now of is this Iowa offense really what I want to be a part of? moving forward because I guarantee you if I'm a 17, 18 year old kid who's got an offer from Iowa and I'm sitting at, you know, the Thanksgiving table and my uncle is asking me where I've got offers from and I'm a, I'm a wide receiver or a quarterback. And I say, I've got a, an offer from Iowa. That uncle's going, Ooh, that that's not very good. Like, unless they're like a diehard died in the wool Hawkeye fan, they're, they're going to be making a joke. And even died in the wool Hawkeye fans are making that joke. There comes a time where it just doesn't work anymore. Yeah. And you know, there's lots of, there's lots of, yeah, there's lots of analogies to make. Um, Would we all have liked for a perfect situation where this, this announcement doesn't happen until January 3rd, a hundred percent. That would have been better for everyone all involved if that had happened, but it didn't, it's over. And I, and I think we need to, we're focused on Northwestern based off of the press conference today. Everyone's just focused on Northwestern. Um, and I wouldn't be shocked if they come out and kick some ass on Saturday. Like there, well, I mean, you know, Joel, you asked at the beginning of this segment before I sort of digressed it a little bit, what did I see going forward for the next few weeks here? And, you know, this obviously is an opportunity for a rally around the flag, uh, us against the world kind of thing. And we've seen it before. We've seen it before in the Kirk Ferentz program. Every time they've kind of bottomed out, you know, you had your uh, Doughboys issues. You had the whole, you know, <laughs> Christensen is. Hey, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. It was not Doughboys. Doughboys is the current defensive. Oh, back. I'm sorry. I think it was CBI. It was the city okay. boys Inc. Let's, let's, uh, sorry, Doughboys sorry, sorry. is for all intended purposes, but that is a positive good. thing. Gotcha, it was gotcha, the city gotcha, boys gotcha. Inc. That was the problem. City boys Inc. With the money on the table. You, that's, that's where I got the dough from. <laughs> Um, but yeah, and then they bounced back and they've done amazing things. And I, it, would that shock me? Not at all. Kirk Ferentz is a freaking great football coach. He deserves to be in the college football hall of fame. This last few years, weirdest with the offense and the nepotism calls and all this has just been an unneeded distraction. And I, you know, I think this might be one of these situations where in retrospect, <laughs> maybe five years, maybe 10 years, maybe longer, Kirk Ferentz might look back at this and thank Beth Getz for getting him out of a sticky situation that is part of his own creation. And my interpretation from everything I saw today, there's not a lot of animosity, I think, with the decision. I don't think it's personal. I don't think it's personal. No, I think it's timing. I think the only reason that he's upset, and rightfully so, is that he didn't get to control the timing of, of all of this. And I know that there are people who probably are closer 
or close to the Ferences that are listening to this right now and say, you're full of shit. You don't know what you're talking about. He's pissed. You know, Possibly. she's awful. Uh, what's interesting to me is that last week, Beth Getz had like a 90% approval rating. Today, she's like, why are we letting this woman steer this ship? Like, it's, uh, it, I think that's, I don't think that's a majority of Iowa fans. Joel. I, I'm crazy, I don't. I'm, it's crazy how much I've seen that come out though. So, that it's, and I, I don't think it's, I hope it's not a gender issue, but I've been just, even with the community, this communication of a very tough personnel decision, I've been very, I mean, she was there. You, I thought she handled that scrum situation yes. brilliantly today. Like she, she answered every question fairly. There's something she can't say. It's hard to hear someone when you're interviewing them say, well, that's a personnel matter that I can't discuss. Right. It's private. But we've all heard it a million times, though. And it's true. And I would, and, yes. and we all would expect our employer to have the same answer yes. if it was us. That was the discretion. Me. You don't talk about those private personnel discussions. No. It is interesting, though. I think it was Hlas who asked the question about when everybody met together. I think that there was some semantics that were disagreed with. Yeah. I don't think Kirk and Brian and Beth and President Phillips were ever in the same room together with this discussion. I, I think that yeah, based off of that, but which that's, that's tough, but at the same time, everybody's an adult. Kirk Kirk's doesn't, he does. Brian doesn't report to Kirk. Is it common courtesy that he would probably be in the room when those conversations are happening? Yeah. But I don't know if I'm the AD, if I'm going to put that, that, iron in the fire if i have to have that challenging discussion with with an employee well i mean you know you know joel you've heard me say it a million times nobody in sports gives a crap about nepotism until teams start losing sure that said that is why nepotism rules are in place to avoid those awkward situations so no he should not have been in the room because it's not just an employee that works for both he and beth it's also his kid I'll and that's this. why he probably didn't have him there. I mean, it, it, it makes sense. So when I interviewed for my student assistant job at Morningside College in 2004, Steve Ryan, the head coach, sat me down and he said, have you ever failed a class? And I said, yes, yes, I have. And he said, okay, did um, what class was it? And I said, the class that it was. And he said, well, was that professor fired because you failed the class? And I said, no, not at all. And uh, he said, well, right there is the difference between academia and college athletics. Yeah. If the players fail the class, the coaches get fired, yep. not, not the players. And I think that there's a lot that, that was a very eye-opening perspective that I was given as a 21-year-old who is just dipping his toe into the coaching waters. The next thing that Steve Ryan said to me, he said, how comfortable are you with getting fired in your life? And I said, I've never been fired. It doesn't sound fun. And he goes, it sucks. But every coach in their life gets fired. Yeah, it's that's just, the end stage of coaching 90% of the time. You know, Kirk Ferentz got fired by the University of Maine. Sure. Brian Brian has never been fired. Brian yeah. had an outstanding career with the New England Patriots coaching tight ends, arguably the greatest tight end room of the last 30 years. 
in the NFL. Granted, one was a sociopath serial killer, but that's not Brian's <laughs> fault. Uh, and then he comes to Iowa, coaches a Joe Moore award-winning level offensive line, coaches tight ends at Iowa, I think, or coaches running backs at Iowa, and has a, they, they go to a Big Ten championship game. And then he elevates to offensive coordinator. And what I will stand by to anyone who, who comes and challenges me on this, if you said Joel Krausar was the tight ends coach for the New England Patriots after being an all-Big Ten offensive lineman, came back to his alma mater, was an outstanding position coach, elevated to a position that he didn't play and had never coached before, had success on a Big Ten West champ and a a team that played in the Big Ten championship game, almost made the playoffs, and you elevated Joel Krausar to offensive coordinator. There's not a single person in the fan base who's reasonable that would say that that's not a natural and quality progression to ascend to the offensive coordinator position. Yeah, no, I mean, and I, I appreciated a lot of the beat writers today actually brought that up and, and pointed out that when Brian was elevated after this was not that long after, or was it before I can, I get my I think timing. It was 2017. It was either 2017 okay. or 2018. I think Greg Davis right. left. People were really happy about it. And then he had that, uh, beatdown of USC in the holiday bowl. And he was, the people were kind of coming back around and well, maybe he'll be the next head coach again. It was a brief shining moment that got to there. So no, it's a, it's a natural thing and shit happens. The injuries have really harmed his ability to show that this offense could do anything. That is an excuse, but it's a, it's a fairly legitimate one. Not to the level is how bad they've been though. There are excuses that are like, I'm Mike, I'm, I'm, I, we got injuries and we're terrible. There are excuses like that that are also reasonable excuses. There's excuses like, well, my guys don't care anymore. Right. That's on you as a coach to make them right. care, right? right. If, if, I don't feel like he's lost the locker room either. No. So this is a very challenging situation. But I think the best thing is, is it's over. Just yeah. now they now they just get to play. They get yep. five, four, four to six more games together as a program. Um, and you can look at the positive side, which is I get four to six more games coaching for my dad. If you're Brian, Kirk gets four to six more games coaching with his son, which I know is a special thing. I mean, it, it's it's cool um, and it's worked other places. It didn't work to the to the maximum here. It's really eerie how much this is paralleling the Joe Paterno, Jay Paterno situation mm-hmm. at Penn state, save for the, you know, sociopath pedophile and, and Jerry <laughs> Sandusky that really ruined everything, but uh, for, for Penn state, uh, but it's, it's two sociopaths on Halloween night, just for the record. I, I know. Back at home. And, uh, I, and I think that it's just, and then we'll it's, get it's to a sad. psychopath like Jim Harbaugh pretty soon. Yeah, so. and it's just sad. It, it, it is sad to me. Um, I'm not going to say that I'm close with Brian, but we have had encounters um, that have been nothing but great, nothing but really positive, and not just in my time coaching, but also just, you know, I my seven-year-old son and his seven-year-old son played each other seven times this summer in travel baseball. Like, it's just – he's. I think where we where we have to be careful, and it doesn't get you a pass, 
because good people fail at their jobs all of the time. But Brian's a good person. And and Brian is uh, a, a valued alumnus of the University of Iowa football program. In my opinion, he was an outstanding offensive lineman mm-hmm. for the Hawkeyes. He's been a great ambassador for the most part of the program. You know, all young coaches have to find their voice and find themselves. Early on, he was very, very uh, much a hothead with some of the officials. Like we, you know, he broke his hand. You know, he got a couple unsportsmanlike conduct penalties. But that stuff is all calmed down. Like he is 39 years old, 40 years old, something like that. Like we're acting like we're singing this 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 moratorium on on a career that has died. No, no, not at all. This guy, you know what? You no, know it won't shock me is if he someday is an NFL head coach and wins a freaking Super Bowl. Like, I mean, like there's a lot of there's a lot of meat on this bone. Um, and we can all speculate where we think he'll end up. Um, my prediction is he'll find way with, uh, with his friend, Brian Flores, with the Minnesota Vikings. Um, that's my prediction. Uh, but I think that he's he's a good person. It's I'm, I'm actually kind of happy that it's this is over for him because this is tough and it's tough on everybody. Um, and I think 10 years from now, they're going to look back and say this sucked but we're better people. We're a better, stronger family for it. Um, and I, you, and it, they don't need that affirmation from me that I'm so glad though, that, that, you know, Kirk didn't go up and go scorched earth, even if he wanted to, um, because there are 120 guys in that locker room that are the priority. And that seems to be where this Iowa coaching staff is. And I think that they're going to, look inward and they're going to work together. And I think it's, I think it's going to be this, this catalyze uh, this catalyst for, I think a strong end to the season. Well, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, Joel, what you're describing is somebody being a human being, you know, they have good points. They have bad points. They have flaws. They have blind spots. They have good days. They have bad days. They have successes and they have failures. And that's Brian Ferentz. That's Kirk Ferentz. That's you. That's me. That's all of us. I mean, it is what it is. And emotions are kind of raw right now, but you know, again, business is business and, and it's a big business now and this is the way it goes. So what I'm so curious, should, should Beth Getz be the AD permanently? Probably. I mean, no, I don't should know. She? I'm asking you, should she be? You know, I I really can't answer that question. I mean, she definitely has the resume for it. I thought she handled the media excellently today. Um, I would like to know how she hires people. That that's the most important job uh, for athletic directors, and you know, it, it's hard to answer that question right now. So I don't I don't know. Um, I'd feel totally one hundred percent comfortable with her as athletic director, though. I'll tell you that much. Agreed. I, I think where some people feel like this is what cost her her job, I think exactly the opposite. I think this no. was I think this is the step to saying I can do this, people. She I was empowered. That- and she, let's be honest, she was empowered. She wouldn't have made this move if she didn't have the backing of the president, probably some people on the regents. I mean, uh, this is, was not a rogue decision. There's there's no freaking way. Nobody with an interim tag would do that as a rogue decision, in my opinion. Agreed. Here's my question for you, though, Joel, to get back to the what fans are really interested in. We have a big game on Saturday in Wrigley. 
I mentioned that I wouldn't be surprised if there was kind of a circle the wagons, do it for coach kind of situation. You though have actually been on the sidelines. You've been a coach. You you've been closer to it than I have. Is that a real thing or is that just like something people like me have seen in movies? This is unprecedented. I've never been anywhere near this type of a situation where lame duck uh, has has been. Boy, I don't remember which reporter it was, but it was some stones to actually call Brian a lame mm-hmm. duck today. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know he said for lack of a better term, but maybe as a journalist or an English major, you should find a better <laughs> term. But uh, uh, it, I, I've never seen this type of a situation. I've had moments where it's like, you know, you've had a teammate go down. Um, and I think that's where it's very similar. It's, it's like, you know, uh, valued senior gets hurt. We had that happen in Muscatine this year. Uh, one of the senior captains broke his ankle on the third play of the season, broke his ankle out for the year, had surgery. Well, then he makes a strong recovery, and the doctors say that he can he can he can dress for the last game. And is and with permission, they ended up Muscatine got the ball on the one yard line with two uh, second and goal from the one. And they put the kid in to run a quarterback sneak and score a touchdown, you know, wow. last game of the senior year. And I've never seen a sideline explode more than that. Um, I, I won't be surprised if we see some explosive plays from this Iowa offense on Ooh. Saturday, something we haven't seen just because of that adrenaline, maybe just because of that extra motivation um, because it could happen. It won't surprise hey, me. And, uh, I've never what? been in a situation, so I don't. I and, can't and, really answer that. And all it can do is bolster Brian's resume, right? Like, I mean, if the offense comes out and does something, at least people aren't like, "Oh my God, he really is a total schlub that can't do anything." I don't believe that. Here's here's what I will tell you. What I know from the coaches I've talked to, from the coaches I've been around, going to the American Football Coaches Association. Uh, conference every year, which is like, you know, speed dating for assistant coaches. I mean, there are guys who go to that not intending to look for another job and they find themselves in a new job just because of who they're talking to at a bar at at this conference. No one says, well, how many games did you guys win last year? Right. No, that's not what coaches are looking for when they're hiring assistants. What are your values? What's your skill set? How good are you at teaching concepts to young men? That is what matters. It does not matter what the Iowa offense averaged. Okay. Mm -hmm. Brian's not going to get hired as an offensive coordinator in his next position. So nobody gives a shit about what Iowa's offensive metrics were. They care about how good are you teaching hand placement? Do you understand these concepts that we run as an offense? You know, it, that's why he's going to have zero problem finding another job because he is a good teacher of the game. He understands yes. concepts. He understands the game. He speaks the language very, very well. And, and he's going to be just fine. And I think that's where people, we get as fans, we get bogged down in, well, this team averages 37 points, right? This team, this team throws the ball for 350 yards a game. That's not getting anybody a job tomorrow. In, in this profession. When that coach interviews for a job for their next coordinator job, that head coach is saying, okay, what's he like on the board? 
do I understand what he's saying? Do I think our quarterbacks are going to understand these concepts? Right. Does this mesh with our philosophy as a program? So it it's interesting to me that that's where pe- a lot of people bog down. And I know like, so I think the thread is like 15 pages long of the Iowa offensive coordinator hot board. I guess it's only five pages long, but let's, let's just talk about Paul Christ. We <laughs> both have, have a background. I mean, we're as Iowa fans, we that's, that's the devil we know, so to speak of anybody that Tom put Tom Caker put on that post on HawkeyeReport.com. Did you watch any of that YouTube video that I posted of him being a clinic clinician that's on YouTube? I did not, but I will tell you this. I started as honestly a detractor, like, oh, you know, he's kind of old. He's kind of stayed, whatever. And then I like dug into it a little bit and I was like, holy shit. Like, I did not realize that Wisconsin for seven years, seven years, the seven years that Paul Chris was Wisconsin's offensive coordinator, led the Big Ten in points per game and yards per game. Not not Ohio State, not Penn State, not Purdue. It was Wisconsin. That is nuts. People forget that he was the OC and went to Pitt to be the head coach before he came back to Wisconsin. So, like, there is that gap that people forget about that he was the head coach of Pittsburgh before he came back to Wisconsin. And the the best part, Joel, Joel, you're you're a coach. You're like, well, I was like 2010. College football has totally moved on since then. Like, that is the dumbest. Is that not so, the dumbest damn argument you have ever heard in your life? I don't think it's dumb. I think it's I think no, it's, it's valid. It's I think it's dumb. valid to say that, but I think that's why I'm asking people to watch that video because it's 52 minutes, so it's long. But uh I was at a Glazier Clinic in Chicago 2010. It was 2010. And so he's the he's the OC at Wisconsin. And I think this was the year before he went to Pitt. And he stands up and he says, um, and he's super unassuming. He's a super chill dude. And he's like a Paul Christ. I honestly felt like he was my driver's ed instructor from high school. He's he like, looks he's like, like a, a shop teacher in Menominee yeah. Falls, Wisconsin. All right. I mean, like, that's what he is. He's like, I'm Paul Christ and I'm the offensive coordinator of Wisconsin. We run a lot of 12 personnel, a lot of 11 personnel. We like to use our tight ends you know, in the, in, as blockers, but we also, they're about, we value them in the, in the, in the passing game. He goes, but what is Wisconsin's offense? And he asked the question and some guy raises his hand. He's like, well, you guys run the ball. He goes, we run the ball, but most importantly, we use trades and motions to determine so we can clearly see what the defense is doing prior to the snap. So our quarterback has a good picture of what coverage what situations, what sort of line scheme we have. And I'm sitting here listening to that. You watch NFL countdown on a Sunday morning and they're raving about the Kyle Shanahan, Mike McDaniel offense about pre-snap motion trades of your tight ends, moving formations. And they're acting like this is some avant-garde offensive philosophy. And Paul Chris was talking about that being the foundational principle of Wisconsin football in 2009, 2010. So to the people who think that the foot, the game has passed him by. No, he's been doing what everyone thinks is avant-garde for years. He's just been doing it with two tight ends instead of doing it with four wide receivers and he can do it with four wide receivers. And I think that that's his 2021 offense the year before he got canned. 
Average 377 yards a game and 25.4 points per game. Iowa would maybe, maybe they lost to Penn State, but they still win the West this year and last year doing that easily. Like he, with he their got, eyes closed. He got canned because a new regime wanted to make, to, to eliminate as much Barry Alvarez DNA that was still left in the department. And that I firmly believe that's what it was. And, and also, some guys just being a head coach is exhausting, and it wears on yes. them, and, and they're not good at it anymore, or they're not comfortable with it anymore. You know you know who some of the happiest people in the world are? Assistant football yeah. coaches. Yeah, they just go, they do their job, they're in charge of their business, and I, and I think Phil Parker and Paul Christ in the – conversations because i have had conversations with both of these gentlemen for longer than five minutes they're not dissimilar as human beings like they're actually very right. similar as human beings and kirk ferentz and uh, are close so i'm actually kind of excited at the, <laughs> at, the, at the opportunity maybe the paul christ is the offensive coordinator for the hawkeyes and maybe budmeyer is is a part of it and i know that that is People want a complete separation, but what do you want? Do you want Iowa to go to central Michigan and go hire Paul Petrino? You know, if you're watching that Mac game, Paul Petrino, another guy I know, fantastic football coach. I don't know that his value system fits the Iowa fan base. I just don't. He's not a bad guy. He's not his brother, but he's, he's just not that he's, he's a lumberjack from Carroll, Montana, from, from Montana. I mean, that's, that's what I will say this though, Joel, I will say this though. Kirk Ferentz strikes me as the kind of guy that, like you said, you know, you were glad he didn't go scorched earth, and I, I was too, and he, he never would. But he's exactly the kind of guy that, in some weird way, he, I have a feeling he might just try to find the most obscure mother humper possible, like somebody none of us have heard of, know nothing about, like some just off the wall person might be his offensive coordinator pick because I just kind of feel like that might be his way of being like, you know what? This is what we're going to do. Boom. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. Well, and, and, and the other thing is people get, I would love Ryan Grubb to come. If Kirk Ferentz retires at the end of the season, which I would say there's a 15% chance of that happening. It makes sense to kick the tires on Ryan Grubb coming and being the head coach. Oh, that's a call you make. That has to be a call. It might be, it might be the first call you make. Maybe. Um, But it's also, he's also going to be the first call that the next SEC school the fires their coach is going to make, the next Pac 12 uh, school is going to make, the next ACC. I mean, heck, Mac Brown might retire if the wheels fall off completely in North Carolina. And everybody, everybody's going to be calling Ryan Grubb. But I want Kirk Ferentz to make this work, Joel. I do too. And I'm wondering, and I, I haven't thrown his name out on the boards yet. Uh, much, but I wonder if Matt Drinkle, the offensive coordinator at Army, gets a call because he does yeah. run a power spread attack. He's an Iowa kid. He's a Bettendorf kid, a high school teammate of Pat Anger. He ran the power spread offense at St. Ambrose as their offensive coordinator, was very successful at Kansas Wesleyan as a coach, and now he's been at Army for a long time. He's a tight ends and running game coordinator, I think, at Army. But that that's not going to make people happy either because he's mm. Army's offense is not, you know, in the top fifty I think of total offense. But at oh, the same time, yeah. Hey Joel, you know who else coached at St. Ambrose? 
Who? Lisa Bluter. And Lisa she Bluter. was just in the national championship game. So bring it on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a great point. And, and Matt's a younger guy, but he's got ties to the program. How important is somebody who has ties to the program to you? Um, uh, 10% maybe like for basketball, I'd love to see Dean Oliver come back. Cause he's one of my all time heroes and he should not have to be a filthy badger. But other than that, not so much. I just want good coaches. I think when I was younger, it was important to me, but I think it means less and less. The more that I get perspective, Kirk Ferentz was a unique perspective because Yes, he's a Hayden Fry assistant and has a great had a great history with the university, but you know he was more a Joe Moore guy. He was more oh, yeah. of that that Northwest or that Western Pennsylvania, yeah, you know, Northeast Northeast Pennsylvania. Excuse me. No, no, uh, no. You're right about Pennsylvania, but he was a, he's more of a Northeast United States kind of kind yeah. of like Fran McCaffrey. And Bill Belichick was a great a, a great person to learn from. Obviously, I mean, so it's just. We have to just relax, I think, yeah. as to who the next person's going to be. And I think that it's important. Maybe we all should just enjoy this last. We, we all got our, for the most part, the fan base got what they wanted. Brian, Brian's gone. Brian won't be back. So let's let him enjoy the last four games. Let's try to enjoy yeah. our last four or five games with it. With it's intriguing. Situation. It's going to be friggin' interesting as hell. I mean, it is. I mean, if, if I, and Northwestern just be Maryland. I mean, this is not a team to take lightly. No, no. And it's at Wrigley field, which is going to be a funky situation. It's, yep. There's a lot of reasons for Iowa to come in being distracted and unprepared. And it, this is a trap. I think they're a five-game favorite or five-point favorite right now. Um, and all Northwestern has done the last several weeks is cover the spread. Yeah. And be in competitive football games. And uh, hopefully... You, would it surprise you? Would it surprise you at all, Joel, if Iowa steamrolled them either? Nope. It would not. Like 42-14, something like that. Yeah, just like an offensive explosion, and everybody's like, wait, what the hell just happened? Like, this is dumb. Like the Tom Davis Sweet 16 run. <laughs> well, it's so my aunt Mary was the executive director of Washington County, Iowa Hospice for 15 years. And we all have had, if you've had any experience with hospice, right before the end, there's always this this period of, Oh, our person is back. Maybe they're getting yeah. better. And it's not the case. It's just that body. It's the body's one last push of here I am. And yeah. maybe that's what we're going to see for the Brian Ferentz offensive era at Iowa where it's hospice. Now we're just comfortable. We're keeping everybody comfortable until the end. Comfortably and, numb. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. dead cat bounce, I think is the politically incorrect way of putting it. Right. Oh, you have a way of words, Mr. <laughs> you have a way with words. I'm trying to like paint this eloquent, you know, you know, easy, rest easy analogy. And you talk about the dead cat bounce. That's exactly what it is, though. Transparency, Joel. Transparency or just whatever. I don't know. I don't even have a good word for that tonight. 
I'm exhausted like from being a parent on Halloween. Is this not the shittiest day of the year with little kids? This is the worst fucking day. <laughs> it I, is enough. I, I, I don't. I don't remember. Kids are twenty six and twenty one. So. I know. I'm just asking if you remember how exhausting this day is with you know little kids. It is. I, I, you know, you're probably a better father than I am, Joel. <laughs> Tell my wife that because I'm not sure she'd agree. Okay. But it's. Uh, okay. Uh, but yeah, no, it, this is sad. I'm, I'm just going to say to me, this is a sad day, um, but not sad because I think it's the wrong thing. It's just. Oh, it would have been we, a great we, story if it worked. How awesome would that have been? You know, Hall of Fame coach's son leads team to, you know, multiple Big Ten championships because of his stellar offense. That would be a great story. But Didn't what do you watch the movie or the TV show Succession? Did you watch that show? At yeah, all? I watched some of it. Yes, Brian Ferentz is not one of the Roy no. kids. It's an asshole no. who doesn't know how to handle his business and and failed because he's incompetent. No, it didn't work. I I I, I will say this till my dying breath: Brian Ferentz is not a bad football coach. This was just a situation that became untenable. Yeah, and, and it happens. A change had to be made. You know, this yep. is this is horrible, horrible ending to something that we all, I think, wanted to work. And if you can't say it, well, you wanted it to work, good for you. And you're a jerk. Yeah, good for you. You you were on it from the jump. Um, I I can't go through life being. Pessimistic. One of those people that's so, so, so angry about nepotism, but never says a word about Terry Brands being on the wrestling. Well, it's a little bit different that they're co-head coaches. You know, that that's, it's that's a little bit different. Is yeah. it really? I think it is. But your your brome, the the the, the brothers brome is a great analogy. I and looked up an article I found. There's like 27. NFL head coaches that had their sons as assistant coaches. Well, yeah, I mean, everyone's going over the moon about Kyle Shanahan. Like, what was it? So bad. Brian Schottenheimer. He didn't belong on a football field. I didn't even realize Lovey Smith's freaking son worked for him as a, as a defensive back. I mean, well, and I think Belichick has both of his boys on staff. Bill Belichick's dad was a coach at the Naval Academy. <gasps> he was terrible. So terrible. You know, it's like, uh, it, it's a tale as old as time. Look at how many high school coach, great Lance Peterson, you know, the head coach at Mount Vernon coached for his dad, Butch, for a short period of time. Like it's a, it's no different than the muffler shop down the road that you love to go to because it's a family business and the son has taken it over for the family. You know, your, your wife's family, you're, you're involved in a family business. Like, yeah. It is. I mean, I get it's a public university, so there's rules. So you follow the rules and then they came to fruition like they did today. And then everybody moves on. It's no rules and, and no rules were broken. No nope. rules were broken. Nothing was was a below board. What this really to me is, and maybe we'll talk for a while on this, maybe we won't. To me, this showed how crappy Gary Barda was at, at keeping things tidy. He yeah. fucked this whole thing up with this contract. 
The thing with Barta, though, is I think he was in a rough spot because I, I think Kirk Ferentz got so popular when Barta was athletic director that, like, he what what was he supposed to do? I mean, he he couldn't put his foot down. You know, Beth gets you have to admit, she had the opportunity to be like, you had enough of the fan base and probably enough of the donors and some others that are like, somebody needs to do something here where she felt emboldened to act. Gary Barta is not that kind of person. He's a glad hand or a backslapper, a money raiser. As long as everybody's happy, he's not going to rock the boat. And yes, that ended up screwing everything up ultimately, but I can't blame the guy for it. Yeah, I can't blame him. Oh, wait, no. Yes, I can. You're the athletic director at a Big Ten fucking university. You're the head of the college football playoff selection committee. You're arguably one of the top 10 most powerful people in sports over a two or three year period in in some of your roles. Sack up. If you've got an issue, if this was that big of an issue, do your job. Do your job. You know, well, you really wanted people to like him, Joel. But nobody, I mean, agreed. Sure, he wanted people to like him, but he didn't have to make the contract the way that he made the contract. No, that was if those, ridiculous. If those stipulations aren't in the contract, Beth Getz doesn't make the decision that she made this weekend or last yeah. week. No, because- again, it's tear off the freaking Band-Aid. Either, either thumbs up, thumbs down. None of this, yeah, mealy mouth, middle of the road crap. That's where Gary, that was Gary's biggest weakness. He wanted everybody to like him. He didn't want to piss anybody off. So he always took the middle safest, quote unquote, safest route. But by not being bold and expressing leadership, he always ended up screwing shit up. And, you know, I'm just, the more I do research on, on Mrs. Getz, holy shit, is she qualified for the job? Oh yeah. Holy, I mean, she is so yeah. qualified for this job. And I and I I've read some stuff today that really chapped my ass because you could hear you could see some misogyny creeping yeah. into this that let's not let the ladies be making decisions about our football program. Right. So I got a real problem if that's your attitude. Um, yeah. uh, and I'm not Captain Feminist, I'm not Captain Lefty. <laughs> I'm I'm just saying. Uh, there, there's no reason that a woman can't be a great activity or athletic director at a Big Ten university and making big, important decisions for men's sports. So right. that's that's my piece on that. Yeah. Nike, Nike Executive of the Year when she was at Ball State. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. So she's good at what she does. We'll see. She's going to have to help make some hires here, maybe. Uh, over the next two or three years, if she gets the job, um, did you go to the basketball game last night with Quincy? I don't go to ex- exhibition games, no. Sorry. But I will be there Tuesday. I'll be there. Tuesday. But I will tell you, the Moline kids look—they look like the real deal. I'm kind of excited about that. Yeah, everybody looks good in an exhibition game. We'll see how it all shakes out. Uh, what's all so right. buttoning this thing up? I agree with what happened. I'm okay with this decision being made now, as opposed to at the end of the season, perfect world. It would have waited, but it didn't, uh, gun to head. 
who would you be your top three phone calls to be the offensive coordinator for the University of Iowa? Well, I mean, I think you do definitely call your grubs fella in Washington, although I don't think you take an OC job. Um, so that'd probably be my first. And then, yeah, Chris would definitely be, I think, my second. I, I do really like that one. I, I think he he fits the mold. He might have the same kind of timeline of Kirk, of you know, especially if he doesn't want to be a head coach again. Maybe they figure out a way hey couple two three years and he's only you know, 57 57 young okay for a college no no coach. i guess i did not realize that he just looks like he's 64 so no, he's 57 all right well you know then maybe he takes the oc job and it, maybe he's the coach in waiting if he kicks ass at it you don't know I, although to your point i don't think he really digs the whole i don't think he wants to be a head coach again <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, he'd definitely be my second second call. And then, you know what? I honestly, I, I, I was leaning towards maybe looking at Polisek again at North Dakota. Um, I, You know, I thought he did a nice job as offensive line coach at Iowa. Our offensive line could use some work. But after you mentioned it, I'm kind of intrigued by this Army guy. I don't know. My concern is that there's going to be some FU from, the, from, the, from Brian's close close folks who are saying I'm not, I don't want to be the guy who followed Brian because I don't agree with how this all shook down with the announcement. I also think that I think Tim is the head coach in waiting at Wyoming right now. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's been formally announced, but I don't know how many more years Craig Bowles has, has left in him, but I I can see that being the call. Um, I, I think he kicked the tires on Drinkle only if, some of these other phone calls don't go that way. Um, Grub is my best case scenario, but I don't think it happens. Um, even though I did have some credible intelligence, I still have that credible intelligence that there might be mutual interest. But I think that mutual interest is only if I have assurances that I'm the head coach um, in, right. two, in three years. I think right. that's his timeline. He wants to be a head coach in the next three years based off of who I've spoken with. Um, in that regard, um, I kick the tires on some of these younger, you know, uh, uh, San Antonio or UTSA, some of these young coaches who might be able to come up and bring some of this philosophy down. But I only kick those tires if Kirk is willing to completely change the offensive approach. And I don't think that that's the case. So if that is the case to me, then if Kirk wants to kind of keep the same complimentary football approach, it's Paul Christ and it's Paul Christ one, a one B one C because I think we also have to get out of the mindset that we're going to be have uh, our next head coach is going to be the head coach in 2046. I don't think that that's going to ever happen again. No. So we've got to start to understand that we're now in the uh, uh, implied demand era of coaching right. where where it's it's going to return over about every seven, eight years. Um, here, oh, here's a question. Is there anybody on the Michigan staff that you would want to, that you'd want to reach out to? Yeah. Should they all be no longer 
Uh, yeah, you know, season. I'm just going to keep a nice 30-foot pole between me and that shit show, I think. <laughs> I, I don't. So Kirk retires after the bowl game. And Urban Meyer says, I want to be the head coach at the University of Iowa. What do you say as a season ticket holder? No, I that guy's just such a blech. no. I I wouldn't like it. I would not. So Urban Meyer comes, and in year two, <laughs> Iowa wins a national championship. What, oh, I'm feel? celebrating it. Absolutely, no. I mean, I'm not gonna. I I have no control, Joel. These hypotheticals mean nothing to me. I'm just asking. It's the whole, you know, you're playing video games with your buddies and someone says, how much money would it take? And, and then you have to start thinking, <laughs> is, it, is it a million bucks? Uh, I I have I have no control. I've seeded it. I, the more I've thought about it all day, Paul Christ excites me. Like, excites me, excites me. because you I know, it's to... like annoying that it's like I've kind of gone the same way and now I'm like, it's not going to happen. So I'm not getting my hopes up. <laughs> it's just yeah yeah and it just well, how would you like i mean can you imagine like you hire paul christ and then he puts 40 on the badgers oh my god i might i yeah oh boy with 52 you know, on the go it doesn't go down after four hours you have to go to a physician yeah, that, all is, that is a cialis game for sure so <laughs> All right, so I think we're not we haven't accomplished anything. It's a it's a bittersweet day, I think, as a a rational Hawkeye football fan. Um, you never like to see somebody go um, under these circumstances, but it had to be done. Uh, the 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 dog didn't have any more fight left in him, so we had to begin the euthanization process today. <laughs> and, and that happened. And it's weird. Uh, I'll just say this: if it were our Brian Ferentz. I would have said, I appreciate you offering the ability to finish the season, but here's my keys. I'm going to go spend the rest of the fall with my young family and, uh, and good luck. I, I would have, I I'm, he's a better man than I, cause I would have, I would have said thanks, but if we're doing this now, then we're doing this now and I'm not going to finish the season. So hmm. Interesting. Uh, that, that's my perspective. Uh, that's, and maybe that says that says more about me, and I think it says better for what Brian is. Just because I wouldn't want to be a distraction anymore, any more than I already have been. I think they actually they. I mean, it was pretty clear they believe they're going to win this division, and, and they're I don't think that they will. <laughs> yeah, no, and so you know that's why I think he's sticking around. I mean, I think if this is a season where Iowa was two and six or something like that, Joel, I bet you anything. That's exactly what he would have done, but there there's unfinished business to take care of here. So, you know, that's what I think is happening. Well, and I think too, people, people use it as a knock against him. Like Andy, what's his name? Andy fails who I actually like. I like him as a, as a reporter. I thought he was fine, but he rattled off the case of you want to know why they've won six games. Tory Taylor, he's got 20 punts over 45 yards and 21 punts inside the 20 yard line, yada, yada, yada. And it's like, yep, truth. Why would I throw the ball 70 times a game if I know I'm going to win the field position game right. with my punter? Like, something needs to change in the Iowa offense. I'm not defending that. 
But when you're down as many bullets as they're down, the reasonable thing to do is to play field position, play oh, your yeah. defense's strengths, and to do no. what Iowa is doing. So no, their their strategy isn't wrong, but their but their plan to execute the strategy sucks. Their plan is they can't be in this position anymore. Right. They have to be a more powerful and potent offense. And if it's because you can't have look, I mean, look at some of these teams who are at their second, third string quarterback. Their second, third string quarterback are coming in, winning four games. Yeah. And then they're transferring to FBS power five contenders yes. because of their resume. I right. wish we had a guy who is going to be the starting quarterback at Ole Miss next year yeah, or the starting, no you know, someone like that because Kay McNamara is coming back or whatever. I mean, we, I wish we had those guys. Hudson Card, you know, was a stud at Ole Miss, I think, or at USC, one of those places, yeah. or Texas, one Texas. And now he's a good quarterback for Purdue. It's like, let's, let's just once, can we have a backup that everybody else wishes would transfer to their school? Please, please. Someday, someday yeah. it'll happen. Yeah, have we had one since Dan McGuire? I mean, Jesus. Like, can we please have a stud? Backup? I mean, Carson Maywood somewhere. I think he's at a JUCO in Kansas. I think he's at Hutchison Community College. Ouch. Well, no, that don't ouch. Kansas JUCO football is really, really good. No, my point is Kansas JUCO football has better quarterbacks in it than the guy that's starting <laughs> at Iowa right now. That's, yeah, that's it's fair. not great. Yeah. But Carson May. He should have stayed. If he stayed, he might be the starting quarterback. Yeah, probably going so, to the Big Ten championship. Probably. Yeah, so there's the lesson to be learned there. there well, know. we can. We've talked about it. This is an emergency podcast. Emergency. Like, subscribe, tell your friends, um, and I hope you told your friends to take the uh, Indiana to cover against Penn State last weekend because, like, I did on the podcast last mm. week, and I was right. Uh, you were, but here's what I do have to say: you had. Two sociopaths, a psychopath, a dead dog, and a fuck these kids on Halloween tonight. So you're the bad guy tonight, Joel. <laughs> I will own that. I'm I'm in a <laughs> I was in a pretty sour mood all day long. So well, as always, we end it with a on Iowa. Go Hawks.